Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. I am Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours on this episode. I spoke with Charlie Lawrence. Charlie's someone that I've known um, tangentially for quite some time. Um, we live in the same area, but um, we've actually only seen each other in person a few times. Um, but um, been wanting to sit down and chat with him for this podcast for a while, and I uh, went over to his house. And uh, this is the first time I've recorded an episode of the podcast where we're both wearing masks. So if it sounds a little muffled, we were both wearing face masks the whole time because we were sitting about six feet apart recording. But uh, yeah, um, we were talking about you know life, philosophy, a whole lot of different subjects. So, uh, but it was a it was a great conversation, and I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with Charlie. Hope you enjoy it. Best, well, best $200 I ever spent there, about 100 bucks a piece. Actually, I think the producer for the podcast, uh, I think he bought the second one for me when I was nice. going on a road trip. Do you know Duncan Watt? I know the name. Key player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he played yeah. the face of gravity in 2002 when they tried to, when Andrew tried to bring back the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And Bob Beale was playing guitar, which is smart. I would, I would look at that from the, Blue Mermaid is fucking smoking. Really? It's really? wonderful. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I didn't see them then. Um, I've seen them a couple times, because he played with them, like, I, I saw them up in Portland maybe 18 months ago, and he played with them when they did the, the Elvis room yep. thing. But, uh, I was there for that. Yeah, he, I th- and that's actually, interestingly enough, I think that was the show that where we actually met face-to-face mm-hmm. for the first time. Yep. Um, it's funny because one of the managers, um, where I work, um, you know, cause I posted the picture when I dropped out that painting of you and I'm Facebook friends with his wife. Um, he just, he, he's not on Facebook himself, but, uh, uh, Brent and it starts Lambert. with, yeah, yeah. Brent Lambert. He, he <laughs> just, he's like, you know, Charlie. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know Charlie? I was like, Brian, I know people. Uh, he's known me since I was in elementary school. That's what he said. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I've known him from the neighborhood. So and I, so I told him last night, I was like, I'm recording a podcast with Charlie. He's just like, Charlie has a podcast? I was like, no, but he should. I was like, I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Tom Waits. We were talking about mm-hmm. Tom Waits. Um, I, and you, you had said that, you know, every musician should know who he is, which I agree. Oh, hell yeah. But, and it's funny because the general public, I'd say probably 90% of people I've ever met have no idea who he mm-hmm. is. And then... Downtown Train, right? The Rod Stewart, right? Right. No. Yeah. And then, uh, it's funny because I work with... Old 45, sorry, Old 55. Eagles, yeah. right? No. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. It's like all the songs that, if you don't know Tom Waits, all the songs that you'd know by Tom Waits are by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Let it go, I'm saying, for years. Yeah. And, uh... And uh, the people who do know him, people, it's he's very polarizing. People are either like, he's brilliant, or I can't listen. Like, I think more people are put off by Tom Waits' voice than by Getty Lee's. And Bob Dylan, uh, you get the same kind of thing. Sure. Like, no, dude, just listen. Let him set the stage and think of it as a performance, like theater. Right. It's not a pop song. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's so much to it. There's so many layers. There's so many things going on. They're all freaking deliberate. Yeah. It's nuts. First time I heard Tom Waits was on a, uh, was in the early 90s, and I'd gotten a magazine that had a CD with it, and it had Going Out West wow. on it, which, because um, Bone Machine was the new yeah. album at the mm-hmm. time, and I had never heard anything quite <laughs> like it. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then I picked up the whole album, and mm-hmm. I was, and I was, admittedly, because it was probably, probably 93, so that record had been out for a couple of years at that point. And I was not ready for that. I mean, I had just, you know, late 80s, early 90s was right when I started buying music for myself. And, you know, you had Warrant, Winger, oh, all Jesus. that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, and everyone says, well, Nirvana changed it. I'm like, well, no, they were at the crest of that wave, yeah. but they weren't the entire wave by Ooh, any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, the Pixies and Jane's Addiction had started five years mm-hmm. before and all that stuff. So I remember one weekend I was house sitting for my neighbors and I saw the Head Like a Hole video, yep. the Ben Cott Stealing video, and then Smells Like Teen Spirit mm-hmm. all back to back yeah. to back. And I was like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. I, I, th- this is different than everything I've ever heard. Yep. But so I was just getting used to that. And then I wasn't quite ready for Tom Waits oh, yeah. Yeah, at that point. It's funny, you mentioned Jane's Addiction, it's a Playboy interviewing them in 1987 said they out Zeppelin Zeppelin in terms of riff rock. Yeah. And it's friggin' true. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, like, Mountain Song, you can't get a thicker, just heavier riff than that. True. Yeah. And you're watching Headbangers Ball and you're watching True Guys Kiss. Yeah. That broke the entire planet. Yeah. I just remember the silence and the money at Extra High School. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, but I don't know what the... Did you, Calm down. The world's bigger than what you've known. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's funny, too, because, you know, growing up, you know, I went to Exeter, too, and uh, I thought it was a pretty, you know, open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get out into no. the world. Yeah. You get out into the rest <laughs> of the world, and they're like, oh, right. It's our quiet, secluded, very, very white, no. you know, corner of the world. Yeah. Hi, I'm diversity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dude. Yep. <laughs> so that's, I, I mean, I think about the fact that being in New England, because, I mean, we're technically in Maine now, but we're, mm-hmm. you know, a hop, skip, and a jump. From, it's Portsmouth North. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> there's plenty of people that I know who are like, oh, yeah, Charlie's the diversity in my friend's group. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's it's... Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's just, it's such a crazy, like, it, to me, it just blows my mind as a guy in his mid forties, how many people I know who have never left what they've Anywhere. Known, right. yet they have the whole world figured out. Oh, yeah. They have no idea who the selectmen are. They don't have any idea who are on their town council at all. Right. They don't know who's on their school board, but they know how to run the world. Right. Meanwhile, they can't manage their own bank account. Right. Or driving 30-year-old cars and beat each other up. Right. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, in general, in the last, I'd say, probably like 15 years of my life, like, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know shit. And that's okay. Yeah. 
that's okay. It's like, I'm happy when I learn a little bit more, but every little bit more I learn opens up a whole ocean of what mm -hmm. I didn't know, but then it gives me more questions to go seek out the answers, which is fine. That's life. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking wonderful. That's yeah. fuel. But it's also, the older I've gotten, the more I realized not everyone has that no. that desire, that itch to, you know, a lot of, you know, the phrase ignorance is bliss. Mm. I think the first time I ever heard it was actually the Living Color song, Ignorance is Bliss, uh, which it meant a totally different thing to me back then than what, you know, because <laughs> I was like, why would I want to be ignorant? But I was like, oh, there's so many people that are, you know, very content. very content in life and they're not upset by the fact that they don't know about stuff. It's, you know. And they also somehow think they're wise. Right. Dunning, Dunning and Kruger is strong. The Dunning and Kruger effect. It's like, I, I must know more than everybody else. Right. I am brilliant with no evidence. <laughs> it's like right. hubris. Right. The most American dream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met two people um, who will remain nameless just because, mm -hmm. um, who have both told me they were the smartest people they've ever met. And oh, I'm just God. like, well, we know some of the same people, and I know plenty of people smarter than you. But I'm also just like anyone, I feel like anyone who would genuinely be the smartest person I know would never say that. Because, mm -mm. you know, knowledge is everywhere. Every, mm -hmm. You know. And different kinds of knowledge, different kinds of intelligence, different grips on things. It's nuts. Plato, quoting Socrates, had that one down. A euthyphro. Mm -hmm. Fear the man that claims he knows for you surely does not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So and if you're trying to prove how smart you are, there's already a crack in your armor. Right. Yeah. Because because why are you who are you who are you trying to impress? Right. And it's I mean, then it's ego. It's not about knowledge yeah. at all. I'm, yep. I'm scanning the room just because there's there's a lot. So many. Oh, there is a left handed guitar there. I, I broke high school. Yeah. I've never broken a bone until I broke this finger. This finger healed, I broke this finger immediately after. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll learn how to play slide. Yeah. I'm a lousy slide player. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to play lefty instead. Right on. That I wanted to experience the entire Hendrix thing. He played a, a register out lefty. Right. Right on. And I was born lefty. So I write and draw a bow. Interesting. Uh, is left the dominant hand or? Depends on what I'm doing. Gotcha. I had a very, very persistent first grade teacher. I did too. I went to a private Christian school and I got my wrist slapped oh, with yeah. a ruler for writing left-handed <laughs> all the time. But wrong hand. <laughs> it persisted, and unfortunately, because I'm stubborn, I'm like ridiculously left-handed, and I can't do shit with my right hand. Mm. I, I would have been grateful. I can do yeah anything with anything. And my drawing style is different, which is nice. That's interesting. I've. <sighs> I should experiment more with art with my right hand just to see what comes out. Do when you're distracted. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. The hand just does its thing. It's kind of cool stuff. I should do that. It's really yeah. fun. Especially when you're stuck. Like if you. Yeah. It's, it changes things. That's a good challenge because I got to a point two or three years ago where I was only drawing mm -hmm. when I had, you know, quote unquote, inspiration. Ah. And, you know, it's interesting, actually, kind of how this podcast started was just conversations I had with other artists, be it musicians, mm -hmm. actors, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter the discipline, but I could always find little things that I could steal from their practices into 
you know, and modifying it for whatever I was doing. And so many musicians were, were like, you don't sit down and play the guitar when you have like this great riff or whatever in your mind. You just start playing mm -hmm. and stuff's going to come. And so I just made it a habit of, or a practice, which eventually became a habit of just sitting down and drawing for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour every day. Just it, And it didn't matter. Uh, I also decided around that time that I was going to post everything that I did regardless of if it was, you know... That's my videos. Good enough. Yeah. That's my crappy videos. I'm like, here, I was playing. Have yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, it kind of, for me, you know, with the, the fun, hey, a year ago today, you can see progress. Mm -hmm. But also, it keeps me honest because if I'm not doing it, people are like, hey, are you not drawing right now? And yeah. like, hey, fuck, no, I'm not. <laughs> where's, my wait, where's my production? Right. Yeah. Pe yeah, pe people are paying attention. It my neighbors stop by to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've not been hearing the music. I'm like, ah, I'm busy, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Depressed, leave me alone. Right. <laughs> well, that was, it, I was thinking about that when I was driving over here because I know that <clears throat> there was, you, you took a break from social media, for, or from Facebook at least, yeah. for a little bit. Um, Election. Yeah, oh, that makes they sense. They brought out the stupid and the bad in people. Yeah. I mean, I was, there was too much work to do. And by work, I mean I wanted to fix them all. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, God. It's, it's been interesting or eye-opening for me this year because I've always known there were stupid, ignorant people. But <laughs> it's just... The sheer volume? The sheer volume <laughs> and, you know, being being the egotistical narcissist that I am, I assumed all my friends were, you know, or at least people I know were uh, well-educated, well-balanced, caring individuals. Ew. You know, and, and quite a few of them are, but also there's quite a few that uh, can't see past their own existence. At all. It's, it's nutty. And I don't know, for me, being a middle-class straight white male, I pretty much had the run of the land for, you know, forever. forever. And, you know, so I'm trying to <clears throat> shut up and and ask other people's opinions about stuff because mm -hmm. I, you know, I, just in general, I think I've thought that I've had stuff figured out for a long time. And it's, like I said, it's only been really recent mm -hmm. where I haven't had, where I just been like, oh, I don't know shit about shit. And my experience is not the only experience in the world, so let's hear what other people have to say and then ask, what can I do or what can I do differently? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it, it doesn't come it doesn't come natural, so it's something to work at. For me, I, I feel lucky. Yeah. And speaking is mechanically difficult for me. It always has been. It taught me to listen. Yeah. It also taught me an appreciation for words. So... I've been taking in everybody else's point of view my entire existence, trying to understand it and seeing what was crap and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. The crap and what wasn't didn't really come until junior high, high school. Right. I'm like, wow, you said that really calmly and confidently, except for you're completely full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was eye-opening for me. Yeah. And then I talked to my grandmother about it, my dad's mom, and she's like, yeah, your ignorance is your biggest tool. Give it a big old hug. It's how you learn anything. <laughs> And she was right. That's true. Yeah, it's um, 
I don't know. I I can't tell. It, it changes from day to day, but I can't tell if people are less and less willing to listen mm-hmm. or if it's always been that way and we're just more connected now and so we're hearing everyone's opinion all the time now. Yeah. Will Smith had that, right? With regard to racial violence. It's like, it's not getting worse. It's just getting filmed. Yeah. It's the same with people and their opinions. Everyone is stream of thought and I'm so witty and brilliant. Blah! Right. It's out there. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, and people are lazy and intellectually stupid and they've got no attention to pets. That's true. <laughs> and we've also all been led to believe that our opinion is like, valid and has well, value. Well, everyone's opinion is valid to them. It doesn't mean that it is of any value to anyone else. Or remotely accurate or based on anything besides. Eh. Right. Yeah. World's flat. Nope. <laughs> I was talking yeah. about that when we were recording yeah. the other podcast earlier because uh, uh, Stefan Carpenter, the guitar player from the Deftones, yep. international touring act for 20 plus years, is a flat earther. Yeah. I'm like, you've literally traveled the world. Mm-hmm. You've been able to see the curve of the earth. And you you're... physics. I'm just like, what in the world? <laughs> there was a guy working for Google Earth that was a flat earther. He got fired. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I When it comes to the shit like that, I just, no matter what, when I hear that, I'm like, come on, you don't really think that. You're just being a contrarian. You're just trying to piss people off. You don't really think that, do you? Or their ego is strong enough that they won't investigate it beyond, hey, I have this idea. No, that kind of resonates with me. I'm going to accept it as real. Yeah. And they don't go any further. It's nuts. And that happens a lot. Uh, it's, it's maddening to me. People just stop learning because, yeah, I want to do something else, like play a video game instead. It's crazy. It's, I don't know, it's... It's baffling to me because when I find out that I don't know something, and, and this well, the subject interests me, mm-hmm. I want to find out more. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I've, I, I have gotten to the point where if something doesn't interest me, and someone asks me a question about it, I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't interest me at all. I don't care. But mm-hmm. more often than not. <laughs> there's at least a passing interest in it. Even if it's something that I hadn't like considered investigating myself, usually if I'm having a conversation with someone who I have respect for or, you know, interest in having a dialogue with, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're interested in this. Tell me more about right. it, you know? And then maybe they tell me more about it. And I'm like, yeah, I was correct. I'm not interested in that. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that about this. And now I want to find it out It opens more. up all kinds of stuff. It's crazy how many people that's just... Don't. <sighs> yeah. The the other thing going hand in hand with that is, like, the older I get, the more I realize I don't understand people because that baffles me that so many people are like that mm-hmm. and are happy with that. Uh, one of my philosophy professors, a uh, guy named Mr. Scharf, taught me that people really, really want to think that we are alike 
everyone who's like us mm. because that we are the we have the most exposure with how we perceive things mm -hmm. so it is natural for us to assume that everybody thinks that way mm -hmm. yeah. and that actually that opinion is best left as children you're supposed to learn that of growth mm. and lots of folks just don't right then again for millennia we only live to be like 30 years old right. <laughs> we right. have time we're too busy not trying not to die right right now we get to be you know, a century and not all have the brain for it or the heart for it or the empathy that's true it's nuts yeah yeah no that is definitely true well because i think about the fact that while we are animals mm -hmm. we've taken ourselves out of for the most part out of the evolutionary chain i mean we're not hunter gatherers at all anymore yeah. even the people that do the the legwork to do that it's it's not part of the natural order it's you know it's it's changed now we've imposed ourselves over the natural order right which is any badly for us again hubris oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> but because of that we all have a lot of time on our hands mm. and uh because we don't really have like any natural predators at this mm -hmm. point. I mean, we're our own natural predators. Yeah. We just kind of invent problems for our, like we're our own biggest problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We knowingly do things to ourselves that are self-destructive. We ignore instinct and go for dopamine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, w I mean, there's no way to really you know, conclusively figure out if mankind's always been that way or if it's getting exponentially worse. I would imagine <laughs> as technology makes our lives quote unquote easier, easier. it increases more and more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm a little on the fence with if we were always this bad. I kind of think we are like a mold that was just been just been allowed to grow. <laughs> we're that Jordy bit behind the refrigerator that no we know it's we know it's there but we never get around to cleaning it right that's us yeah and that's our effect on everything around us mm -hmm. we're accidentally fucking up everyone else all the other animals breathing because we're toxic right we're taking away everyone else's little homes because right. we need more space to do whatever the fuck we need our space for right lawns right we have lawns lawns are stupid mm -hmm. we have golf courses which are just giant lawns right seriously look at the things that we put a lot of effort into creating that do nothing but destroy the world that we actually live in. Right. It's not. And just takes up space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I think about that because, you know, particularly when it was a little warmer, we go for walks a lot. And I actually really like walking through cemeteries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously that's one of the, like the most, you know, primitive human things that's gone back since almost the beginning of time mm -hmm. but it's such a fucking waste of space mm -hmm. especially once you get like one or two generations out for um you know because walking through the big portsmouth cemetery mm -hmm. there i'm sorry yeah, yeah there's you know there's gravestones that are 250 300 years old i'm like nobody's coming here to mourn these people mm -hmm. this is a this is a waste of space it's ego yeah also modern coffins don't pile the grade. <laughs> They're hermetically fucking sealed. They're expensive, pointless, and again, do nothing but take up space. Right. It's like having a brick that's actually well six feet long and three feet tall. Right. Put it in the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Expensively. Yeah. 
we created our market for it. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, it's nuts. I have a I I have a uh, a green plot mm-hmm. myself for what I go, which is just like literally mm-hmm. they put you in a bag and put you in a tree root system, and you know. Yeah, I've done. I've done. With, did, sorry, I donated myself to science, so anything they can't recycle or use gets burned. <laughs> well, my whole thought is, you know, I've had, I've had certainly had family members pass away, but I've also at this point had quite a few friends go and more and more. Yeah, and you know, a lot of them I spend a lot of time thinking about, and I've never once visited a grave. I don't go to funerals anymore either. Yeah, it's just it's. We all grew differently. Yeah, and it's also not, it's usually not the way I want to, it's not even how I want to remember them, it's just, it's not even how I would remember them. It's showing up for the people that are still here. And yeah. most funerals for most people, it's it's a lot of people who I've never met before and... Social contracts and behavior and etiquette and blah, it's a, it's a mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a mess. And around here, when my friend Jeff died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Coughlin. Yeah, when he died, I got a in the you see on my upstairs <laughs> for Jeff. Yeah, he died upstairs. He died upstairs. Were you living here at the time? No, I got you. Which is weird. Yeah, but a little cult of grief was born. It became a thing. There became a ritual that. When anybody else passed, mm. okay, we do the wake thing. We all drink a lot of whiskey and tell stories, blah, blah, blah. And then every year on the day we do this, it's, it became a social event. Interesting. And it blew me away <laughs> when I saw it crystallizing. It like just happening again and again. Yeah. Like, this was no longer about them at all. It's, a, it, it's become, we're binging grief. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It was so surreal. I just kind of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Back was, out of it. I did. Um, I, I was in a show with Jeff at the Players Ring, and mm-hmm. we knew each other a little bit beforehand. But that was a it was an interesting interesting time. Um, what show? It's called All He Had to Do Was Move the Car. Chris Elliott and Mickey mm-hmm. Blanchard yeah, yeah. wrote it. Yeah, and it was um, you know Kevin Barringer, yeah. right? That was I I met Kevin on that sh- doing mm-hmm. that show too, and. Uh, um, it was basically me and Kevin and Jeff that would just hang out for because we had very small parts in the show, so we had a lot of time in the green room yeah, and talk, talk yeah. yeah, and getting to know each other. And then you know, Jeff played with uh, Jimmy in uh, uh, the, Fish in uh, what are the the surf rock band? Um, well, there's Hot Rod Fury and there's Commando Baby. Yeah, Hot Rod Fury and Commando Baby. Yeah, yeah. It was actually Trish that started the. She was like the avatar for me for the, the cult of grief. Okay. To the point where I can't even talk to her anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is not about you. <laughs> Stop yeah. making it about you. <laughs> yeah. God, I haven't, I haven't seen her in years. She's so. still around. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's a lot I of people. Just, I've got no. I would cut tired of making Jimmy cry. I mean, I'm just the, the, again, the cult of grief thing. It's like, nah. Yeah. 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 This is not a thing we need. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's. It's. It's this is a weird thing to think about, but I thought about this year with you know pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. There's I got to get out of going to 
a few funerals mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of ruminate about people's passing on my own, which mm -hmm. is, you know, both good and bad. Um, <clears throat> I'm one of those people that a lot of times uh, likes to process with, I, usually like a one-on-one -on -one thing with yeah. someone else, but um, couldn't really do that this year. Mm -hmm. And But it's one of those things that, you know, working at a grocery store, seeing the public, most people are either either respectful or at the very least keeping to themselves about stuff. But yeah. every once in a while, people will blurt out about how mm. no, nobody knows anyone who's died from this. And I'm just like, so I just want to be like, fuck you. I, I yeah. know six people myself yeah. and I know plenty of people who have lost way more than that. So, mm -hmm. but of course, you know, can't do that. I'm, I'm now on antidepressants for the first time in my existence because I was getting to the point where I was slappy. I'm like, if someone says something that stupid to me, I'm going to knock them out. Yeah. It'll, I won't see it coming. I just calmly, well, knock them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, again, that's that kind of willful, willful ignorance that I just can't abide anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, crikey. It's like North and South Dakota. It's like uh, one of them finally has a mask mandate in place, but they're Two of the hottest spots in the freaking world mm -hmm. because they just kept going, No, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, hoax. I'm like, You're dying. Stay in this hoax. You are in a hospital bed. <laughs> dying. Right. You didn't even have to be intubated where you don't have to see any anymore, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. Well, and it, it goes back to the whole, whole ego thing because so many people who are just have these conspiracy theories about it's all this to control us. And I'm just like, You're not that important. They don't. Yeah. You're an ant. Yeah. You're ants. We're cogs. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh it's been a strange, strange year and dude. I part of me is like, oh well the year's almost over and I think part of me has just been like <laughs> Oh yeah, January first, it's you know, it's, a switch is gonna be flipped and it's, it's a few not, weeks and hell no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 gonna be just like this for a while. Mm. There's actually a meme going around with a, a calendar flipping from <laughs> December 31st, 2020 to, to December 32nd, 2020. Yeah. And it keeps just, it resonant. That is resonating with me. Yeah. <laughs> because we are, we're not anywhere near the end of this yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, Craigie, even the seeking economy isn't the, the, the mode where it's still just kind of coasting. This is a plane that's engines are cut out. They're just like coasting down, mm. but we haven't crashed yet. Right. People think things are bad now. They, it's where it's going to get so much worse. Well, that's the thing is because right now we haven't shut down for a second time. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we stalled it. We have, but it's, we took, what was going on far more seriously in March and April when it was far less serious, it was still serious, but it's, we're, we're in a much worse place as far as death toll now, mm -hmm. but people are used to it though. So they're, they're they don't think about it anymore. Right. Which is nuts. And also they didn't take it that seriously in March and April. Right. Some of us did. Our country didn't. Mm -hmm. Our government didn't. Our infrastructure didn't. Even our healthcare system didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I knew Dodgers are saying, hey. again, it's just arrogance is an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah, it's I 
you know, I keep hearing people talk about, well, once we go back to normal and I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where it's going back to the way it was, you know, 12 months ago. I, I think we will move forward and hopefully a lot of it will be for the better. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of shit we have to figure out for a long time yeah. to come. Actually process. It's a life changing event. The good people now that are still denying the stress they're under. It's like, Oh, it's going to come up and surprise you. Yeah. Uh, if you don't process it, it's going to come out in really inappropriate ways. So you may as well start opening that book now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it, for me, you know, because, you know, like you, I work with the public, I see the public. So I'm around people all the time, but, like, I have never felt more alone than I have this year. Dude. And, you know, I've told, expressed that exact sentiment to a couple people, and, you know, people point out, dude, you know everybody, because I know a lot of people, and I'm like, doesn't like I mostly feel really alone in a room of crowded full of people. Oh, yeah. You know, you're acquainted with a lot of people. I'm right. also acquainted with a ton of people. Right. And I worse, I've got really to remember everybody's name and where I met them and how the conversation we had last. That goes over strangely with folks. It creeps them out. Right. <laughs> right. But we don't interact on a real IRL direct, meaningful way right. on a daily basis. We are more isolated than freaking ever. Right. I'm good at spending time on my own. This is driving me nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I miss random conversations with people I don't know outside. Right. That happen to serendipitously be there. Right. You can't replace that shit. Right. It's a Zoom meeting is not going to do it. Right. Well, and that's part of a hug. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> it's it's weird because my I have a friend who got into law school, who I work with, and it's something that she had been, like, really, like, anxious, probably not the right word. She's she's a smart woman, um, but it's something that had been in the back of her mind for a while, and when she got that first it was just, you know, I gave, I gave her, like, probably a .3 second hug, mm -hmm. and it was just, and then felt guilty about it, um, even though, I, and we we talked about it after, and she wasn't upset, by the way. It was just because there were other people around, and I was like, well, we've been in proximity with each other for six months now. The likelihood that if either one of us had anything, we've probably given it to each mm -hmm. other way before then, but it was just, it was a weird thing, because I was like, well, the the way a hug works, the way that, like, you know, everything that it, like, relieves and whatnot, I was like, it should be should be taking care of all this guilt and horrible feeling I'm feeling now. Mm. It's such a fucking weird thing. It really is. Yeah. Craig. I'm starting to realize I've been tested more than anybody I know. Yeah. <laughs> including the folks that work in hospitals. Is that, is that of your own volition? Oh, yeah, or? Yeah. So. yeah. I don't want to... I'm not going to put anybody at risk. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like covering my face. I'm not going to put anyone at risk. They didn't feel like dealing with hand sanitizer anymore. I didn't feel like taking my temperature anymore. Right. I am not going to cause anyone to. I can't not only injure someone. Right. Unless they've actually motherfucking injured it, then I'll just won't take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting for me, because where, you know, where I work, they do a temperature check every day, every day. and a wellness. But it's all. 
other than the temperature check, it's just asking you questions. And it's and it's presupposing that you're going to be giving honest, honest answers. Mm-hmm. Which plenty of people, A that I work with, but plenty of people in this country live paycheck to paycheck and mm-hmm. can't afford yeah. to not be at work. So it's not in their financial interest uh-huh. to be honest. Which is why I think that the T and the, the Metro are still going. Yeah. It's not the, the people that can afford to quarantine that you have to worry about. So, but you can't. Right. Because they simply do not have a choice. Right. And what's interesting, where I work, because when I found out a lot of places were offering free testing, mm-hmm. I was like, I work with the public. Not only am I getting exposed to a lot of people, I'm exposing mm-hmm. myself to a lot of people. Right. Let me go find out, because if I'm sick, I need to quarantine. Then I found out from work... Oh, if you don't have any symptoms, if you go get a test, that's on you. You can't come to work till you have the results because we don't want you waiting. So they'd rather me just not know. Yeah, which is absurd. Which is insane to me. Yeah, it's crazy. No, I figured by now there'd be a, a lot of free testing around there. They're still not. I paid twenty bucks, a, twenty-five bucks a whack for mine, and that's with insurance. Mm-hmm. It's one hundred nineteen with that. Yeah. And that's your cost bill, which is pretty much really organized. Yeah. And for a while, I was going every fucking week. Yeah. Which is, even with my insurance, was getting expensive. Yeah. And I just realized, no, I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for work, I have to stay home. No. And kill them. But again, that's nasty. Plexiglass. Sure. Sure. And they've only, I'd say within the last month, six weeks, had seating it was just grab in and mm-hmm. go before yeah i uh i had a customer give me a uh kill em gift card mm-hmm. um where i work was just like hey i've seen you there before here thanks for what you do and mm-hmm. i assumed it was like five bucks or whatever mm-hmm. and then i brought it and they're like no there's fifty dollars on here mm-hmm. and i was like whoa <laughs> so i was like i'm very happy to go there but you know i love that place anyway too. so yeah, when I lived in Dover, I came back to, to Portsmouth for coffee. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I was living and working in Dover. I'd drive to Portsmouth, yeah. get my coffee, go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just coming from Dover. It was funny because I live in Portsmouth now, which is even though I've worked in and around Portsmouth for, mm-hmm. God, you know, 25 years now, mm-hmm. this 2020 is the first year I've actually lived in Portsmouth <laughs> proper. Yeah. But I lived in Dover before that, and uh, it seems like no one in my friends group who wasn't married with kids, you know, who people who had free time were living in Dover, and now that I'm in Portsmouth, <laughs> everyone lives yeah. in Dover now. It got a little bit cheaper, but the rents are coming back up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, the. I happen to just find a great situation because my rent is very affordable, mm-hmm. but. My building is selling. They they close on the twenty first, so I'm I, I I'm anticipating them raising the rent. I'm just you know holding my breath that they're not going to raise it too too, too much. much. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, well, I'm barely affording it now, <laughs> so we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. I lived in Portsmouth for a long damn time, and then long-term relationship ended and that year I moved three times and I landed here and I was like I'm done with the moving right <laughs> yeah. everybody else can go the world can catch fire I'm mm-hmm. staying here yeah so I basically managed this place yeah 
and I've been here since July 14th, 2008. Okay. It's like, I re- once I realized the neighbors didn't care how loud it was, I'm like, really? Ah! Nice. So I've always been lucky with that. I've never had the neighbors complain of me playing, which is fucking fantastic. That's amazing. Because I, if I didn't play, I'd be in jail by now. Right. I would have lost my fucking mind. Right. Yeah, uh, everyone who's listening, obviously they can't see it, but uh, we're in a room that's uh, dominated by guitars. Um, <laughs> yeah. How many guitars do you have? Do you know? 83. Nice. I fix them. Yeah. I restore them. And I make them. Yeah. I decided I wanted to build a guitar 24 years before I built my first guitar. And I built it out of 42 pieces of scrap wood from the comic shop I was working in. Oh, wow. I got lucky. It came out well. Do you still have that one? I need a bigger room. <laughs> I actually don't. This room sounds great. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's hollow. <laughs> it's a nice looking guitar. Yeah. yeah I got lucky. Yeah. I'm kidding. It should have come out a lot worse than it did. Because I basically made it on lunch breaks out of garbage. Yeah. How often do you play that one? Not as often as I should. I'm a little obsessive about the things that I make. Yep. So even though I like how it plays and I like how it sounds, I always think, well, I should have this instead. Right. I always second guess I want to tweak it. Mm-hmm. Instead, I just should build another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I did. There's another one in the wall that I'm still working on. How often do you build guitars for other people? Is it really? Different? I do not. You don't. No, I fix a lot of people's guitars. Oh, Amen. I fixed a lot of other people's guitars. I will not build them for anybody else. Yeah. Nobody. I learned how to build furniture in college. I learned how to build furniture because I wanted to learn how to build guitars, but they didn't have a program for that. So, it's like with custom furniture. People want to pay IKEA prices for heirloom shit. Right. There's too much love goes into it. Too much skill goes into it. Sure. I mean, even an off a CNC made Dan Gibson at this point, if you could buy the high end stuff, it's like five grand. Yeah. And that's still a CNC guitar. Mm-hmm. Handmade. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's interesting how much. It's interesting what people put value as far as what's worth spending money on and what's not because people don't bat an eyelash about dropping seven eight nine bucks on a coffee from starbucks Mm -hmm. that's literally going to turn to piss and shit within 24 hours Mm -hmm. but you know art man yeah art is definitely particularly in this (laughs) culture just it's not it's people say they appreciate it but they don't want to pay for it Mm -hmm. and they don't want to pay the people that make it and feel like they should get it for free. Yeah, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. That's one reason, like I said, you, you made my freaking week. <laughs> it's like, and mostly art in this house is made by my friends. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> commission pieces, but all local stuff. Yeah. And I also buy albums, go to shows, advertise. <laughs> right. Art is not a garnish. It's what right. makes life worth living. Oh, absolutely. So fucking pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing I have, like, it's been interesting with, you know, the pandemic going on because, you know, I have 
a handful of friends who were in, you know, touring bands that mm -hmm. had shit lined, like they had their next, you know, six to 18 months lined mm -hmm. up and their whole world just came crashing down and been trying to, you know, do, I mean, I think, yeah, I've got the Jane Doe face mask on mm -hmm. now. It was one of those things that, you know, bands like, well, we can make masks with our logos on them. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll support as, as much as, as I can. And, you know, buying, buying albums that I've owned for years and passing them on to friends and be like, here, mm -hmm. this is an album that changed my life. You yeah. should listen to it. Yep, albums and books. Yeah. And that too. Yeah. It's nuts, though. It's just nuts. I don't understand how art became a garnish for things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's always been that way. I mean, I even no, remember in our lifetime. It's definitely not always been that way. I don't know if. I don't know how we got here. I don't know if the whole Napster thing was the beginning of it, but that was certainly a major turning point. Um, but I also feel like the way that, you know, the record industry handled <laughs> stuff for a long time. Forever. Yeah. Exactly, forever. Mm. It's always, the, rec the record recording industry has always been rigged. Yeah. Where the, the people that were doing the recording made the money. Mm. That's always been the case. It's like you get bands like the Black Keys. It's just five percent of their income come from touring. Right. It's not merch. It's they go out, they tour, they make money, people right. attend the shows. I love them right here. Dave Matthews band, same which sure. same way. Don't be hell. Ian Franco, Peter Mulvey, same deal. It's like mm -hmm. put out your stuff, produce your stuff, have your own damn label, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Napster was the introduction to how music got. Well, stolen and big bands were fucked that more than small ones. Yeah. It's like, well, Metallica, the most Lars and his little bunch of bozos. <laughs> because they had, they were surviving within the machine, therefore they want the machine to keep going. Sure. But you get people like Sly Stone who just got his rights back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the recording industry. Well, talk to Joe about it. Talk to Joe on our email. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get Joe on this podcast for forever, and she's like, people don't want to hear my opinion. I'm like, that is not true. That's bullshit. Yeah. She knows it. Yeah. yeah, give her two strong drinks and a table. <laughs> She'll talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I she knows I, a lot. I worked for Joe for like four years mm -hmm. for her marketing company before, and yeah. it's funny because, you know, I work with people in their early 20s now mm -hmm. who find out... <laughs> that we used to work, you know, that we worked together before. And they're like, what did you do? And I was like, I worked for Joe's music marketing company. And they're like, what does that mean? So I would explain it to them. <laughs> and, they still don't and they're like, wait, that was a job? Like people did that? I was like, mm -hmm. yep. I was like, for many years before I did it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just happened to do it right at the tail end of when it was a viable, you know, mm -hmm. occupation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jesus. Music. Pop music, the same four guys writing the same same song over and over again. Hmm. Four chords, same rhythm. God damn it. It's nuts. The thing that I wonder about <clears throat> with music specifically, because it is, for the most part, there are obviously exceptions to it, but it's, it, it's really hard to make a living doing music. But I just think about bands that have, or artists that have careers that span decades, and I'm like, 
is there really people coming going to be people coming out consistently that'll be here 30 to 40 to 50 years from now still making music the people that will still be making music are the people the small independent folks that are doing it now people like uh, my friends Mike and Ruthie uh, the mammals mm. they are making it in house they're playing live shows wherever they can they're self-producing albums they're touring on their own dime they'll still be doing it yeah and people will still be going to the shows for the quality of the music because people get sick of the pack right the thing about the giant industry is people buy what you sell them right it's like what you what they know exists again what, what comes before their lenses so it's a way to get past that you have to kind of dig will people still be consuming music from bands that are around now 30 years ago sorry 30 years from now sure yeah will it be enough to actually sustain them I don't know right I really don't I mean there used to be a piano in everyone's house mm-hmm. everyone used to, there used to be music good developed music programs and art programs in every school mm-hmm. now we teach to test mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we're done with, well Jesus <laughs> we're 26 in the world in the first world in terms of education explain yeah. that yeah yeah and that is how I wake up day to day it's how did we get here yeah how is this thing sold to people yeah well it's interesting how many people just go through life only doing like exactly what they're told as far as this is how you do this this is how you learn this this is how you do this I I just um, (laughs) for for better or for worse and so far it's been for worse I my very first online dating thing I I signed up for Facebook dating or for I I didn't I wouldn't even say so much I signed up for it I acquiesced Mm -hmm. to the constant poking that it was doing because it was like hey we saw you were in a relationship and you changed it to single you're not getting any younger Scott why don't you sign up for this so I was like why not and it's horrible yeah it's I you know I think it's I think it's in day five right now um I haven't haven't had any sort of meaningful conversation and that's that's okay it was more an experiment than anything because I was like I'm quite content to be alone um you know, I dated someone for a few months at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and that was the first time in like five years I'd been in a relationship because I hadn't found anyone who interested me enough to spend that much time with them, too. Mm-hmm. But so, anyway, this person was like, Oh, I see that you paint. I've been taking some watercolor classes. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, tell me about it. And she was telling it, it's like a online tutorial thing. and. She's like, so do you take classes? I was like, no. She's like, oh, how do you know what to paint? I was like, I just look at stuff and then decide I want to paint that. And she's like, yeah, but how how did you learn to paint it? I was like, I kept drawing it and making horrible drawings Mm -hmm. and painting and making horrible paintings and then kept doing it. And she's like... Embracing the suck. Yeah. And she's like, but if you saw something that wasn't good, why did you keep doing it? I was like, to get better. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, I'm just like, eh. That's how you know you actually want to do something. It's like when it stinks, you just keep after it. Right. 
But it was also, it was just, I almost wanted to be like, what What do you mean? But then I was like, all right, well, that, that tells me a lot about you as a person. But it, and it's not even really an indictment of that one person. Mm-hmm. It's, I know a lot of people that are like that. And, you know, I went on, I went on a 48 state road trip yep. three years ago. And yeah. over and over again, I heard from people, man, I wish I could do that. And I was like, you, you can do it. It's not that hard. I was like, I'm not that smart a dude. I just made this decision and then took the like six steps I needed to to do it. Mm. And I was flying by the seat of my pants the whole time. But you know what? I survived and I'm back here. So can't be that hard. I moved from Bellingham, Washington to Portsmouth in a car I bought for $148 with no brakes. I drove across the Rockies in a car with no brakes around Thanksgiving. It was snowing. Mm-hmm. I was going home, goddammit. Right. Yeah. You don't wonder how you do things. You fucking do it. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I drive me nuts. Yeah. My idea with Charlie Vacation was sell your shit and move out of your house and go somewhere. <laughs> if you don't know where... I, I got out there by moving to Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Because I didn't know anybody that ever lived in Oregon, I thought. That was a different story. I knew lots of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As it turned out. But... I am going west. I know I'm going west. Where am I going? Am I going north or south? Okay, I'm going to go north because I know no one there. Yeah. Off I went. You go. You just do. Right. If you fuck up, you don't do it again or you do it differently. Right. <laughs> Maybe you won't fuck up. Fuck up the next exactly. time. But I regret none of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's all... It's all experience. It's all, you know, potential knowledge. You know, it's only knowledge if you learn from it, I guess. No, it's knowledge either way. Yeah. If I didn't learn from it, it's still knowledge. I just don't understand it yet. Flat earthers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They may eventually catch on. The fact that they haven't caught on doesn't make it not a thing that you can learn. It's so objectively knowledge. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm cranky. At some point, people are going to figure out the Bible is written by men. Doesn't mean there isn't a God. Right. <laughs> Just means politics have been around a long goddamn time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think about, you know, because my older brother is a minister now, too. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a... Tim? No, T. Yeah, yeah the oldest one. Uh, no, Tim's a... He's a musician... By night now, but mm-hmm. it was a full-time gig, but uh, now he writes copyright. Huh. Um, but, uh, no, my older brother is a minister, but, uh, you know, I asked him about the Apocrypha, which is, you know, it's not in a lot of the Bibles. And they're like, well, this didn't make the cut. That was in the... I was like, well... if How do you get to decide? Yeah, I'm like, we're, you know, I, I'm playing along with your assumption that this is the Word of God. How do you decide that some of the shit that God said not it doesn't need to be in the book? Right. The word of God as decided by who? All right. I've been doing that. I I got kicked out of Sunday school when I was a kid. Mm. I was fucking five. <laughs> I had questions. Yeah. I saw questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they in like general, it. they don't like the questions. No. Yeah. People would keep raising their hands. They're like, would you keep quiet? I'm trying to keep all these kids in line. Mm-hmm. Well, that one went their pants. Mm-hmm. I still have questions. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that nuts? Well, I remember asking questions in junior high school, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday school classes, and being told more than once that 
well, that's blasphemous to ask that. I'm just like, why? To question it? Yeah. I'm just like, I, I just want to know. Like, I want to have the understanding. Yeah, my face's not shaking here. I'm, I'm, I just don't understand something, and you're supposed to be the expert. Mm. That goes over poorly. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to I don't know, and you're making me look stupid. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. I'm still having problems following the fact that Seth Carpenter is a, 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 a flat earther. I don't know who that is. Seth Carpenter? Yeah. Do I know? Is that not the guitarist who does? Oh, it's Steph. It, <laughs> yeah, Stephen Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I just had a complete brain fart. I was thinking, yeah. when you said Steph Carpenter, I was thinking of a woman. You know. And I'm just like, yeah, no, that's 100%. And again, where's me to percept that is? Right, right, right. I just have somebody doing an interpretive dance over here. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Well, I, man, it's, it's funny, because we were talking about Joe Lenardi earlier. Mm -hmm. I had a brain fart earlier this week at work, running a cash register with her. Rang up an elderly couple. Mm -hmm. Decent amount of groceries. Ended up going from one part into two, because when you bag it, you get yeah. bigger. And... Because she was talking to them for a while. Um, they were an old Italian couple, so they had a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. And she was going to help them out. I started bringing up the next set of people. And as they're leaving, I look and I've got like 10, 25 uh, rung up so far. And then I turn, I was like, oh, no, you still have a balance. You can't leave yet. It was the groceries yeah, for the next, next people. Year, yeah. But just, <laughs> I, I realize a lot of times when I'm there, Part What's of my brain on? is going on autopilot. It's like, all right, mm -hmm. we're not going to eat. We're, we're, we're going to be in screensaver mode for a little bit. Yeah. Now, that was me working in the cabinet shop. It's like, a, it was cabinet, so boxes. Yeah. I like making guitars. <laughs> so, I audiobooks. Um, I engage like 30% of my brain. Mm-hmm. And just zone out and escape. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever story I was listening to. Yeah. So, I get it. Well, I have, it's funny because I just started, um, or I returned to a part-time job as well. It's just one day a week. Watches. Watches, which I really like the work part of it. Mm -hmm. I like working with my hands and it's, it's something that I'm, it's a particular skill and it's mm -hmm. something that I'm good at, but the actual work is such a small part of the, it's in any given hour, I maybe do five minutes worth of work mm -hmm. and that's pushing it. I probably in a seven hour shift, probably do about 25 minutes worth of real work spread out. And it's just, it's not that I'm being lazy. It's just yeah, you know, it waiting for people to walk up. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need this done. Okay. And because I've done it for nine years, I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty fast at it. So I have a lot of downtime. So I'll bring my sketchbook with me. Mm -hmm. I'll work on commission stuff. But then I get so much in the zone that when someone shows up, I'm just like, oh, right. That's why I'm actually here. Let um, me, let me get, get back and uh, give you a hand with that. When I first started hawking cars, there was so much downtime that I started doing music reviews for the Herald. Mm -hmm. Same deal. It's like I, I'm not good with downtime, mm -hmm. so I find ways to fill it. Right. So I took on side jobs while I was working. But <laughs> yeah. right. So I get it. It's like I need to feed the beast. Yeah. Got to. And that's going to be, because I remember you were still going to work when pretty much everyone was quarantined. I took, I was out for all of April and part of March. Okay. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. I when, thought I'd be fine. I was not. When you first went back, 
was there a lot of people coming out or was it still pretty pretty slim we were busy as fuck really yeah there's a lot of denial going on there's still a lot of denial going on but it's also the election election years are weird for mm -hmm. us our industry any kind of well any kind of buying big ticket items gets a little weird around elections because there's a lot of uncertainty mm -hmm. this one's been just a little extra yeah it's like somebody turned a faucet off yeah but from march till november record-breaking months in the entire industry interesting it was, just, it was a bubble you, you could totally tell yeah and then <coughs> yeah i mean i sold my first full month back and actually it wasn't even a full month i worked 17 days i sold 24 cars Wow. Which is nuts. Average production for a car salesman in the, the country is between 12 and 14 a month. A month. Mm. Wow. You can't live on that, but that's what people do. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. Well, and I would imagine it's it's like almost entirely a commission-based job, isn't it? Yeah. In my case, 100%. Yeah. Which is masochistic. I'm an introvert that works with the public on purpose. Right. And uh, my entire thing, my gig is I take, I'm old school customer service. You ask me a question, I answer it directly, mm. which is crazy making for my poor bosses. Mm. It's like, well, they asked me that. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to tell them so clearly. I'm like, of course I do. Huh. I'm right. not trying to have a transaction. I'm trying to build a client base. Right. That's well, because people will remember that they buy a car from you 10 years later or mm -hmm. however long when they get another car, they'll be like, that guy gave to later. me straight. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, you and I are very similar in that way because I had that, I have had that conversation with bosses more than once before, mm -hmm. and they're like, "You're, you, you shouldn't be disparaging of this product." I'm like, they asked me what I thought of it, and mm -hmm. I told them straight up, "This is what I think." Mm -hmm. I was like, "I'll sell this to you if you want, but I don't think you need this. Mm -hmm. Get this one instead." And I'm like, "Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we made, we made ten dollars today instead of making twenty five but they're coming back three or four more times. And they'll tell people. Right. Uh, repeat, repeat and referral business is key. Take care of people, they take care of you. Yeah. I like helping people when they're stressed. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Why is it weird though? Again, introvert. I'd, I'm very happy not having to be in groups of people. Sure. I work directly with the public and people hate me before they get to know me. Because I'm a car salesman. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk to a salesman. Yeah. So I have a person that doesn't want to talk to people, introvert. That my job is to talk to people. Who <laughs> don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to stop doing this. It's a tick. <laughs> well, I can see it. It's just, it's lost on the listener, but that's mm. all right. You know. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very selfish podcaster in that. Mm. I do it first and foremost for myself, and yeah. if someone wants to listen, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's me playing music. Yeah. I don't care if I have ever an audience. Mm -hmm. I've performed in bands for years. I don't record, which drives people nuts. Yeah. It's like the closest kind of recording is a stupid, vid like stupid little videos I do with my damn phone. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's like a chalk drawing on the sidewalk right before a storm. Right. I'm doing it because I need to do it, and it feels fantastic to do it. Right. If no one ever hears it, if there were no other people in the world, I'd still do it. Yeah. Well, that's, it's funny. I've had, you know, because I have a, I started this habit a few years ago of leaving paintings in places. Yeah, um, I love that. Well, part of it is 
my apartment looks a lot like this, but with paintings instead mm -hmm. of guitars. And I don't have that much room. But also, I get to a point, if I have too many paintings stacked up, I stop painting. Mm. So uh, it forces me to, you know, I, it's it's like paring back the trees so mm -hmm. it can grow. Yep. Um, but I also have this problem where, like, because I don't like getting attached to my paintings. I'd much rather someone says, ooh, I like that thing you did. I'd like to have it. Mm -hmm. Here you go. However that works. I Ideally... If, if if they can give me some money for it, cool. But also, if someone can't afford it and they would like to have that and mm -hmm. it gets it out, then I'm happy with that too. Yep. Which is a terrible sales practice, but that's not why I do it. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm like, the most satisfying thing for me about painting is the act of doing it. Like, yeah. it's the only time that I feel like I have an actual purpose or a reason for being here is, on that yeah. yeah and then once it's done i'm like well now what do i do with this fucking thing <laughs> i get it yeah i like producing i don't care about the product mm. i like the art of making i love the smell of sawdust i love the feel of ink on your fingers i like watching charcoal settle on my yeah. page i get it yeah Crikey, I love the sound of a typewriter. I still can't write, I can't, when I, I still do a lot of writing, but I, I prefer typewriter or a friggin' pencil on a piece of paper. Right, right. <laughs> there's no word, there's no computer. Crap. Yeah. There's something very visceral and tactile in everything that I do, and I've, I love it, every aspect of it. I even like cleaning up the mess. Yeah. <laughs> I take a weird sense of pride in a lot of my clothes have paint permanently on them now oh, yeah. and you know <laughs> I get it yeah it's crazy. look I have a drill press in my bedroom right I get it <laughs> oh it's like this is my living room soldering iron right tongue oil right this is not normal it is very much me though <laughs> I mean I I feel like normal is overrated and also you know hell yes the the more people I know, the more I realize that like normal is such a narrow margin, and the few normal people that I know are boring as shit. Yeah, yeah. No, they may as well be lint. Yeah. There's actually a guy I work with who, from all all signs that I can tell from talking to him, very decent guy mm -hmm. and very pleasant guy, but um, almost like. Uh, What's the neighbor from The Simpsons? Flanders. Flanders. Almost that sort of positivity to it. Oh, Jesus. And I have this, you know, and I even told him, of, I was talking to him about it a couple weeks ago, this guy named Brian. And Brian's always positive and always has something like, particularly grocery related, whenever someone asks about something, he will be very genuine and be like, well, you know, you can do this and you can do this. And... I say the most horrible things to Brian um, <laughs> just because it it makes me laugh that it, because he doesn't get upset about it. He's just like, well, if that's how you feel, I mean, you're entitled to your feelings, Scott. And we'll just take it. And, you know, and I told him because someone was like, why are you so awful to Brian? I was like, because he lets me. And he also knows that I'm not being serious. Yeah. But I was like. He's also probably the most boring person I've ever met. Every hundred, yeah. Um, and I think he's completely happy with his life mm -hmm. that way. Like, but I'm just like, God, I, I, that would drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. But 
That's okay. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I definitely like to mess with people. I've never not liked to mess with people. Yeah. Always. I like to keep people on the trails and see if they're listening. Yeah. It's fun. Well, I've had, on more than one occasion, someone pointing out the fact, you know, because I'm very sarcastic. Um, What's that like? Oh, it, oh, it's great. It's great. Uh, but, you know, but I'm also, I, I'm a shit giver. Mm-hmm. I give people shit and I've had more than one person be like, why do you say all these awful things to this person? I'm like, because that's my friend. It's play. Yeah, I actually had a coworker. Uh, <laughs> they my, report you? Well, my, I had a, my, my best friend used to work with me mm-hmm. and... I was working in the frozen aisle and she walked by and I looked, you know, saw her out of the corner of my eyes and, you know, she's flipping me off, giving me shit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Jenna, I hope you die in a tire fire. <laughs> and then she keeps moving, you know, she, she chuckles and moves. And one of our coworkers is like, I can't believe you would say something so horrible to her. I thought she was your friend. I was like, she yeah. is. And she's, she's like, why would you say that? I was like, because I'm an emotionally stunted adult and I say awful things to people I really care about. And she goes, well, I don't think that's true. You've never said anything horrible to me. And I was like, I uh-huh, uh-huh. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> because I don't care if you fall off the planet right yeah. now. Do you feel better? <laughs> oh, wait. Mm. <laughs> but she did, like, the knowledge was just completely lost on her. Yeah. And I was just like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a homework assignment. Go home and Google Maslow. <laughs> <laughs> Self-actualization is a very important step. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Oof. I'm glad that we did this. Yeah, this was fun. Mm. And it's funny because there's um, there's a few people that I've done these with that the sitting down, the recording, the podcast was the first time we actually spoke face to face. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's been funny because almost all of those, there's like five of them that I can think of. Some of those people have become like pretty close friends over the years, but also almost all of those, cause a couple of them I did at Cafe Kiln. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone who had previously been on the podcast walk in not realize we were recording. They're like, "Hey!" And it, it became this like weird like leapfrog thing where, because almost inevitably, two, three, five months down the road, the person who had been walked in on would bump into me yeah. somewhere else recording. And be like, "Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, who's this person?" And they're like, "I was on Scott's podcast. Wait, are you uh, recording right now?" I'm well, like, "Yeah." And now you're on this one. So I've had several <laughs> guest appearances on yeah. on further ones. So you know, great. We shall see. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean that's. That's part of the thing about just sitting and chatting with people. It's, you know, particularly in this format where I don't prepare any sort of questions. It's just like... That's it's, better. Yeah. It's just two people talking. Mm-hmm. And there's something you get from being in a room with another person talking that you just can't get from... Uh, you know, a computer or... You yeah, know, I couldn't have done it remote. I, I, that was not an option for me. Yeah. You lose too much. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. There's a few people that um, I've reached out to 
saying, hey, I'd love to do it. And they're like, oh, cool, let's figure out a time to do it remote, which I kind of understand. You know, I, I understand this time, but I'm like, so we have to do it. We'll do it, but it's not going to be, it's mm-hmm. it's not going to, It's you know, it's, it's maybe 60 to 70% of what you're looking for. But yeah. I can only do remote conversations with folks, especially the, the whole video chat format, if I really, really know the person. Right. Because otherwise, there's too much loss in the the idiom. It's just it's, it just doesn't work. <laughs> that was the, the when I was talking to my friends in Sweden today. I had I had done a podcast with them about three years ago when I was on my trip. They were living in Portland, Oregon at the yep. time, and uh, you know I stayed with them for like three days. But I had met them when I was out in Arizona, and they were living in Arizona too. So it's like because that was kind of my rule during this time because. First of all, I was like, well, I'm going to take a month and a half off from doing this podcast and it'll blow over by the end of April. And then when that <laughs> realized that was not going to be <laughs> nope. thing, at first I was like, well, if I have to do it remotely, I'm only going to talk to people I've already had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, so I know Dan Blakesley was the first person. I've had hundreds of conversations with Dan Blakesley. I know what, you know, even Thank just you. hearing his voice. <laughs> I know what face he's making and yep. stuff like that. So that went well. And I've had and, hundreds of conversations at random rest stops all over the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like if you're going to run into somebody, it's Dan. And we'll, like, we'll catch a watch through walls all of a sudden appear. It's like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice cowboy shirt. And what's yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've run into him, well, certainly all over New England. I know I've run into him. In Vermont twice, mm-hmm. in Maine several times. I don't think we've got Connecticut. I know Massachusetts. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Rhode Island for yep. sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, new, the whole Newport thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, something uh, something to be said for two people sitting and talking. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Oh, it's, I tell you, it's. I miss. I think more than anything, that's what, that's what I miss this year. It's not so much going out and doing activities yeah, it's true. just it's the time encountering whatever again it's, it's serendipity it's, it's happenstance it's whatever the hell comes of it right it's fucking phenomenal you never know like, what's gonna be there you never know what stone's gonna get turned you, it's just I love it yeah yeah right on man well this has been good right. we should do it again sometime okay. sweet sweet